0: All right, I think that that's it for the news. We got to do some bond stuff now. Yeah. All right. So th- this is the part where if you don't like the bond stuff, you hit stop. We'll see you next shame week and feel ashamed of yourself. Yeah, it'd be embarrassing. That's al- al- almost be as bad as listening to this at at to at double speed. So we have some fu. Um, remember, we were talking about: is it possible if if you are falling from a plane to? Speed up by changing your body, by changing your posture or, or your the way by you're having doing, less surface area, having less surface well, area. If it's possible to speed up and like catch up to somebody else, and uh, so I found somebody sent in, I forget, sorry, I f- forgot who it was, but there's a website out there called myth, mythbustersresults.com. Have you ever seen um, Mythbusters? Right. Long story
1: short, the answer is yes.
0: The answer is yes. Uh, For people who don't know Mythbusters, they go out and test these things. And so here's the question. By streamlining their body, a person can catch up to another person free-falling at terminal velocity in the skydiving position with a 15-second head start from 15,000 feet. And they confirmed this, and they tried it different ways. But uh, they uh, had a professional skydiver. Uh, He gave a regular person – a 15-second head start jumped out of the plane after him and assumed a streamlined posture. 20 seconds after leaving the plane, Nick closed the distance between himself and Tori and passed Tory just as he was deploying his parachute. With such definitive results, they say the myth is confirmed.
1: No, but they did not try. This is what disappoints me is they did not try having a six-foot, nine-inch man jump out of a plane from 15,000 feet without a chute and land on a circus tent. and see if he would survive
0: that's
1: right they didn't try that they did not Uh, probably for lack of volunteers
0: uh and over here on imdb.com somebody else sent this in i don't know don't remember who sorry uh what did blofeld mean when he said mr bond we can do a deal i'll buy a delicatessen in stainless steel uh here is one (laughs) (laughs) theoretic answer uh, it seems that a delicatessen was a popular mafia commodity back in the roaring 20s and 30s, and the most valuable delis were the ones with stainless steel countertops, easy to clean, less bacteria uh, than wood chopping blocks. Consequently, a delicatessen in stainless steel was considered a worthy gift and thus a potent bribe. It is reported that the phrase is attributable to Albert R. Broccoli. Does that, <laughs> do you believe that? You buy that?
1: Uh, no, I just think it's crazy. I think it was like drunk talk. Like somebody got drunk and they put it in the movie. doesn't make any sense. Horrible.
0: This week's movie was uh, Octopussy. Right. 13th James Bond film came out in 1983. How old were you? I was 10. 10. I was just a fresh... Uh Freshly turned 11.
1: First one I do remember seeing in the
0: theater. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that I've seen this movie more than w- maybe once or twice since I was a kid, but I remembered so much of it. I, I that's what think, surprised me. I think
1: me. you have to see this. This is the whole point to me. This stretch of movies is the point of watching them all every week, On you know, fresh in your memory, one after another after another. But we've done this. If you're following along, you've done this and, and we've been doing this for what, like six months now? I don't know. We're up to the 13th movie, but we ha- I don't think we've quite done one a week. No. So it's maybe no. like 20 weeks. Yeah, something right? like that sounds something right. Like that. Um, and so we're watching them in this very relative to the extemporaneously con- constrained amount of time. Um, but I think you have to keep in mind what they had done live. You know, that as it happened, that they've been making these movies since Dr. No in 1961, mm. 62. Yeah. 62. Every every year, every two years, another one of these now for 22 years with no breaks. Like no, I think the longest stretch was maybe like three years or something like that or two years. Two or three, no more than two or three years between movies continuously. Uh And I really feel like they, you know, and there's no, you can't say that there's no other major motion pictures that have ever done that before, right? Before or since. And I really think that they have started to strain under it here. I really think that Octopussy, like so many of its flaws are are just, they're just straining under the weight of of just how many of these movies they've made continuously. Yeah. And and without really a plan for how to keep going,
0: but here's like, the I don't here's really the think thing: they is ever
1: that, had a long term plan.
0: Well, and I think I think you're making a good point because I feel like this movie is, I I could look at this two ways, and one of them you could say this is where Bond really starts to fall apart as a franchise, if it hadn't already the, the, right. in this movie. It, this is where it, it. But I also feel like it. It you can look at this movie as a turning point for where. Bond really starts going they're not really sure what what it is anymore because there was a while where this was a story about a, a, basically it was about a spy doing like spy things and he happened to be really cool i mean he you know he drank vodka he killed spiders it was it was really cool like you know every, every woman he saw you fell in love with him. it was like he was he was cool and then he became a super spy and now he's not really a super spy anymore like he did wind up saving the world. He didn't intend to in this one, but he did wind up basically saving the world, more or less. And I don't know, you, like you feel like you're not you're not sure. Like it's almost I wanna say it's in limbo at this point, but they don't know they don't know what to do. There's no roadmap anymore. That's what right. you're saying, right? Right. Like before, it was clear. Like this is the roadmap, and now right. like they've kind of run out and they're of still novels. Hit. They're still hit movies. I and have they to
1: remember this too. They're hit movies. They're popular, as popular, maybe more popular than ever. So they don't want to stop, but I don't think they know what to do.
0: So here's some numbers within. Uh, within five, this this movie was released. It was uh, when it uh, took place during the premiere. It was watched by Prince Charles and Diana. Within five months of its premiere, it was released in 16 countries. It earned slightly less than Free Your Eyes Only, but still grossed 187, more than 187 million, with 67.8 million to the United States alone. It performed better than Never Say Never Again.
1: I think we sort of screwed came up out here too, by the way. A few months later. No, Never Say Never Again came out first, didn't
0: it? No. It came out the same year. Same year, a few months later.
1: Oh, see I thought that so we didn't screw up.
0: No, we did not. I have I have the definitive list. If you want to see the list, you can go to danzilla.com slash bond dot How is that for an old school URL? Uh these are with links to iTunes so that you can go and see the order. Uh but uh never say never right, came so out I think it was like two or three months later.
1: I thought I I thought it was the other way around. No. Nope. Well then I feel better.
0: Yeah. The, and Our next one will be in every... And I, I've been waiting for that one, boy. I'll tell you what. Uh, um, some reviewers disliked Bond's clown costume, gorilla outfit, and Tarzan yell during a jungle chase. We'll get to all that. Right. But it performed... I mean, it was good. It's one of the, the biggest movies. Right. So this is one of those movies, like, I've watched it, and although, it, like, I... I have earlier Bond movies, Dr. No and other ones. I feel like I've seen them multiple times that I can't pin down the experience I had of seeing it. I don't have the memory of seeing it for the first time. You know right. what I'm saying? Like when you say Star Wars, I mean I remember going to the theater. I remember watching. I remember walking out of the theater saying my whole life has changed. Like I remember that. This,
1: see, this I remember is, going to the, the theater and, and seeing this This, this is a place where you and I disagree, Dan we disagree on this, is the importance of seeing films in the cinema. Oh, we don't disagree. We don't disagree. Yeah, see, you never go, though. And I don't go anymore. I hardly go to the cinema anymore. I think it's important. I I I think it's important. I can't wait. Well, I I shouldn't say that, but I look forward to when I can leave the kid at home by himself (laughs) and start going to the cinema again because I love watching movies on a big screen. And I truly believe that when they're huge, like the biggest screen you can sit in a theater and watch, it is... Compelling in a psychological way that you, because you, everything is literally bigger than life.
0: You it's know, more that, dream, you a, dreamlike,
1: right? And when you get a close-up of somebody in a movie and you're in a theater, their head is 40 feet tall, <laughs>
0: yeah. right? It yeah. is
1: 40 feet tall, and it's it, that it is mentally indelible in a way that nothing on a regular sized TV can ever be, right? Even on my giant TV. It's, n- it's nowhere near as big as a as a movie theater screen. I mean, my TV is uh, is two hundred and twenty inches diagonal.
0: Right.
1: Right. But uh,
0: no, I know what you're saying. You're saying that I. You say we disagree because I have and said. And I think to it you, does help.
1: I think it's why you remember the first. I think it's why you it might have a be. distinct memory of did, it's Why it might be. why everybody of our generation remembers seeing Star Wars for the first yeah, time.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. I, because I, the first shot of Star Wars meshes so well with this idea of an enormous big screen. screen. A giant star destroyer coming in overhead.
0: I I don't disagree with you there. I think it's possible under ideal circumstances to create a similar experience in your house, but it's not. I will concede that it's not. It's not the same. But movie theaters are not the same. And and
1: so we open in Cuba, I guess. I guess Uh, some South American doesn't matter. Central American thing. It's Cuba, I think. And you know, he's got an airplane hidden in the thing, and that wasn't bad. Wasn't bad wasn't good, but then they wreck it with the filler up yeah, so where he drives the thing to a gas station and says, fill her up. I, I think they wreck it. I think- the,
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Well, I how would you have ended that? I don't know. Now, the the
1: one of the- m- Not the worst opening. Not the worst opening. Not the One of the maybe things- Maybe it's a filler up joke. Maybe, maybe I'm
0: just- As a know, kid, stuff. I thought that was great. Yeah, maybe maybe. I thought You're that right. was great. Another thing I vividly remember this was like- you see the the 009 running and he's dressed up as a clown and to me as a kid like you're like oh look at you know it's a clown he's running look he's running around he's a clown and then all of a sudden you realize that he's in mortal danger he's not happy about it you know because up until that time in my life clowns were all about fun now all of a sudden here's a clown is not having fun and it it, it's, it catches you by surprise as a kid in a certain way and uh, I love that. And you never really see double O nine. You don't really see him. James Bond is still the only double O agent that, uh, thus far, I think that we've ever really seen. I mean, you've yeah, seen. You kind of see, I mean, see him. Yeah, he's makeup. a clown. He's
1: wearing. A I feel clown, like he goes down ignominiously, though. <laughs> I feel like all the double O agents should be. It, it, he just didn't seem to be carrying himself the way that a double O agent would. I'm not saying that that having a double O, another double O, get killed in the opening, isn't a good way to open. Why? Why would you say open. that
0: he's He's dressed up as a clown. It's and not. There's nothing disgraceful about in the that. Back.
1: I don't know. He gets stabbed in the back.
0: Well, he's he's running because he's got to get the egg to the to the uh, par, par not parliament what a, ambassador's house. Yeah, he's I have this written down.
1: It. I have I have written down. I don't I don't remember why though. I have written down quote. Welcome to Universal Exports.
0: <laughs> what was
1: that? What was that? I don't remember why I wrote this down. What was that? I don't know. I just I think that. That they called it. Uh... Well, I know that that's the cover group that <laughs> yeah. the Double O agents work for, but right. I, somebody said that in the movie, and I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> so the Russians have like a strange Lovey in War Room. That was pretty cool.
0: That was very cool. They, they it's a constantly rotating War Room, right? Where they uh, where they they basically. All you have to do is is hit a button and everything just starts rotating. The walls open up.
1: Right. And I think this was the first movie, I think, unless I'm misremembering, I think it's the first Bond movie where the Russians were the bad guys.
0: Yeah, I think this was, uh, I They're, think this was. No, well, the- no, because the one general, no, yeah. No, because you're thinking he wanted th- to get the ATAC, though. In the last one, they wanted, yeah,
1: to get but it wasn't the Russians who stole it. It was sort of a and there, and the way it ended with the you know the look between them, it was like a grudging acceptance. Well, fair's fair. Of course, you're going to right. yeah. go for it. And the same thing with for with the Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, they were up against the Russians to get the MacGuffin, but uh, but sort of working together on it. You know but it wasn't quite like this where you're actually it was a russian plot to destroy the world but even in here with the russian plot to destroy the world it wasn't the russian government it was a rogue russian general yeah. you know it was one guy who sort of went off the off the plan you know mm-hmm. and the russians themselves with gogol taking the lead tried to get him you know they're the ones who shot him so
0: we see, uh, we see, it,
1: it just was something that never occurred to me as a kid. I always, you know, cause I was so ingrained growing up in the seventies and eighties that the Russians, Russians were, bad, were bad, bad. Yeah. It never occurred to me how, how the Bond film sort of went out of their way not to instigate that. I always thought that there were bad guys in my yeah, memory. This was
0: like a rogue, a rogue right. guy who was bad. Right. In yeah, fact, as they it, as a it, whole, they did, they wanted to prevent this.
1: Right, whereas in the Fleming novels, the Russians are the bad guys in a bunch of them. A whole bunch of the ones that – the movies where it becomes Spectre, this terrorist organization, um, was in fact in the novels was Smirsch, the Russian secret police. And they just went and, – and then the Spectre stuff was in the Ian Fleming novels. And then when they made the movies though, they just took all the Smirsch stuff and made it Spectre. Just a little interesting thing that they thought for the movies that it was it better to to stay out of the political U.S. Soviet relations stuff.
0: Penelope Smallbone. Who the hell's that? Small Penelope Smallbone is uh, Money Penny's number one. Uh remember that? Yeah. See, and you you think that they've rebooted? This is what you think. You think they've re- rebooted Money Penny. Right, by all of a sudden, here's this like hot-looking, younger money penny, but no, it's Smallbone. I like the parts that were in London. I there wasn't like a whole they, lot of it in in London, was there? Yeah, but more
1: than in most movies, I feel like they're often in such a hurry to get Bond to exotic places right. around the world that he doesn't spend time
0: in London. Yeah. So the, what was in London? Just the auction, right? Yeah. See, auction was kind of cool. As, yeah. as an adult, of course, you know he's switching the eggs. But as a kid, you did like, wow, right. how did he do that? When did he do that? Now you're right. like, oh, and that's where he did it. Right. So he gets the fake egg. Fake egg, uh, Khan goes back to, uh, I love how he forces Khan to pay half a million bucks for that thing. Right. Piece of crap egg. Right. And Khan go, goes back to India. That's where you run into uh, the Octopussy clan. He be, there's like a cult.
1: Yeah. You know, I remember from the first time seeing it, and I remember very distinctly being loving it when I was a kid, 10-year-old kid. With the I octopus loved,
0: just on the no, guy's face? No, no,
1: way before that. I love the chase scene through the, streets, the the streets of India where Bond <laughs> is, you think he might have been killed, but he's saved by the money in his breast pocket. Right. Love that. I remember like being, I remember totally the way that they wanted you to be shocked by that. They, as a 10 year old boy, I was a hundred percent. Oh my God. That just stuck. It, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. They got me. Like I had like this total, like gut punch, like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> right. <Totally got>
1: <laughs> not bad. I kind of like it. I the, still think, you know, I think the movie's not bad at this point.
0: Yeah. It's still going. Okay. You're like, the okay, it's all right. Orally lit though. Yeah, the casino looked like crap. I have yeah. a note about that too. And I'm not really so sure bad. about playing backgammon. Did you know that there were like high stakes backgammon? No, I didn't realize there were high stakes I don't backgammon. Know. It Doesn't
1: come across as well cinem- cinema- cinematically.
0: And he does such a bad job of hiding his dice too. Right. Like, what's he even? Th- why is he doing that? Like, he doesn't have enough money. He doesn't have enough other things right. to worry about. He's got to, you know, run some guy out of his, his cash like, why were they there in the daytime? It didn't make sense.
1: Yeah, uh, it just seems like you're breaking. You know, as much as I complain here in these these '80s ones about their formulaicness, I do feel like there's some. you Just, you don't go to the casino in the daytime. It just isn't cool. I don't know. I feel like that's just a sign of of the the, the these movies losing their losing their touch.
0: Yeah, th- then this is where the movie starts to kind of flip a little bit. All right.
1: The Russian dude lets his woman sleep with Bond to get the real egg. Yeah, it seems weird. Well, but I think that's kind of telling, though. It says something about the guy. And she does really- such
0: a bad job of getting the egg. I mean, yeah. it's so it, – it, it, and it's painfully obvious. Like, And this is something that made me wonder. As a kid – again, I saw this when I was a kid. As a kid – you need those kind of hints and obvious things like, uh, I can see her palming the egg in the mirror, right, you know, right, like you right. need that, you know, and like in, and, and then like there's the show, the slow pan across the scene, which when they're in bed together and it's like really slow going, and you know, there's the egg in the interior pocket of his sport coat, you know, okay, you know, like we get it. And of course, you know, she's going to, you know, go and get it. I, I do I do remember though being impressed by the, the flip that she does with, uh, when she ties yeah. the the sash thing right over and just right. flips right over, I like that.
1: All right, but then they kidnap Bond.
0: Yeah, they kidnap him. Judo chop. To, now he judo does chop. a judo chop really early. I love that. Really early in the in the movie, he does one, and then he gets chopped later. And it seems like that is Bond's Achilles heel is a judo chop to the to the, like the head or neck area. He's down for the count. And he's down until the next morning, and it's guaranteed that one judo chop, he's down. And he doesn't wake up till the next day and he wakes up you put him in a bed somewhere. And he wakes up and just sort of massages the neck. He's back to normal. Yeah. No ill effects. No ill effects from being knocked unconscious for 12 plus hours. Right. Who This is know? something. This is a little detailed
1: thing, a bit of art direction that I, in hindsight, holds up terribly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't as noticeable then, but he goes, he's totally, he dinner is at eight o'clock. Right. And he dresses for dinner. He has mm-hmm. a nice tuxedo on a dinner a dinner jacket yeah. if you dinner's mm-hmm. over and instead of keeping a tuxedo on for the next bunch <laughs> of scenes which were <laughs> so he'd look awesome like James Bond he changes <laughs> into a leisure suit <laughs> right. Like, right they didn't have to you know, here's a place where you could have bond doing some cool stuff, wearing a tuxedo looking great and for no apparent reason they instead he goes upstairs and takes the time to change into a terrible leisure suit. It looks like it, I mean, it's just a tan leisure suit. Oh, he looks and he yeah, looks look terrible bad. for it the next bad. 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, horrible.
0: So, is this where they eat the eye? Yeah, no, was that like, was that really like, oh my god, he ate the eye?
1: You know what? They have to give him credit though because this came out before. Before Before Temple of Doom, Doom,
0: yeah, I thought that too. Yeah,
1: so it really does seem like Temple of Doom ripped that off. But the Temple of Doom scene was so much better done.
0: Oh, it was so much better done. And the idea of eating a monkey's brain compared to like an eye, although both are kind of, hmm. I would sooner eat an eye than a brain. I think
1: it really goes to show, I think the difference between the gross out food scene in this movie, Octopussy, versus the Temple of Doom one just shows what it's like to have a great director like Steven Spielberg versus this hack, John Glenn. Just, it's just so ham fisted here. Hamfisted. And uh, Bond escapes as a dead guy or, you know, in a body bag. and
0: Yeah. He goes out. Not and he, a bad
1: idea. That's not a bad idea. I don't mind that. I mean, he's I think in the is body
0: bag. Of- he's <laughs> My favorite part of that is when he, when he gets up he, you know he's and the guys freak out and then he immediately pume kicks one of them right in the face Inso- from inside a burlap sack he lands yeah, the, lands great. the foot because
1: i think because i think if your job was to take dead bodies from the the <laughs> thing and throw them into a ditch and one of them got up and started yelling you would freak out yeah you would cuz i even if it's your job and even if the if, if because the guy you work for is <laughs> enough of a bad guy yeah. in evil evil world terrorist guy that there's a lot you know it, your full time job is just taking care of these bodies. I don't think you ever get un creeped out by it. Like even <laughs> you can't if do that this, job anymore after that. Right. Even but even it you know what I mean like
0: you're 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 it's a creepy job.
1: Yeah. Right. And I feel like I feel like if one of them starts shaking like that, you're gonna freak out.
0: <laughs> and then you have this really strange protracted scene of him crawling around in the jungle with snakes and hitting spiders off him.
1: Chased by hunters on elephants.
0: Elephants, which are so slow moving.
1: Really poorly edited footage that's supposed to make it seem as though he comes face-to-face with a Bengal tiger.
0: Yeah, the the tiger jumps out. And then he says to it, sit, and it just sits. I mean, come on.
1: why? And the editing was so bad on that. I mean, I know that you can't put Roger Moore... Five feet away from yeah. a live Bengal tiger, but there's gotta be a way to to shoot it. Better.
0: Didn't they do that in Spartacus? Didn't they have better? Oh. It's it? just
1: really poorly edited. Yeah.
0: Then I kind of lose track of what happens next in this thing.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Next thing I have written down is father her father named her Octopusy.
0: Yeah, that was her name. Ni- that was her nickname. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, you know, to quote Ferris Bueller. so that's how it is in their family. All right. Yeah, I actually was a think little weird.
1: I don't really think she was a very good actress, and I, you know, but I think the idea was actually pretty cool. I do think this is one of the better parts of the movie. Is this idea that uh, you think maybe she's uh, going to be against Bond because she's obviously working with the the other guy? What's his name? The Egg
0: Khan, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, she's working with him, so you think Bond's going to be opposed to her, but in fact, she's totally on his side. Because years ago he gave her father the dignity of of uh finding his own way out of a indelicate situation
0: now she this is her second role as a a bond girl oh see i didn't know that now who else was she she was in the man with the golden gun who was she there in the man with the golden gun she was let me look at my notes um she was uh, Andrea Anders, Scaramanga's mistress, collecting golden bullets at the Macaw Casino. What?
1: That's her. <laughs> yeah. The one that he. Yeah. The one that he nipped in the shower. Yeah. No, it's, it's her. No, is it really? Yeah.
0: Maud Adams.
1: That's away. crazy. She does she looks totally different.
0: Don't you think she looks totally different? Yeah, she does look different. Maybe she had some work done.
1: I I find that very hard to believe. Yep. Yeah, that's her. hmm Huh. Isn't that crazy that like twelve years later they'd recast her? Oh my god, that is her. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I honestly didn't
0: recognize her. Yeah, I want to. I want to. Uh, they should have a picture of her in one, and then in the other. I mean, if you look at her in the yeah. Golden Gun, uh, she looks. She does look different.
1: Yeah. Huh?
0: I think she was a better actress then. <laughs> I do. I didn't think she was bad in the other one. Huh? huh. There's actually. I'll, I'll add this to the show notes. There's Bondgirls.net. Maud Adams has a a whole page dedicated to her. There, she's
1: also in A View to a Kill.
0: Was she in A View to a Kill too? That's what it
1: says. It says Maud really? Adams is the only person to appear in three Bond. Three.
0: Yeah, look at that, and has uncredited uncredited cameo in A View to a Kill. Huh? I wonder if she plays Octopussy. <laughs> Maybe that's weird. I guess that they were making an attempt here,
1: casting wise, to have Bond with women more close to his age, you know. Like, yeah,
0: it it does seem a little bit like like older like they're not that much older, you know. Bon, I mean Bond was what was he? Like I mean Roger Moore rather was in mid 50s here. Yeah. It did seem a little bit like older people.
1: Right, and obviously but, if they cast the same woman yeah. actress as Maud Adams, you know, who was the Bond girl with Roger Moore in 1974, you know, obviously it's you know the same pace I like it. I like away the, by this.
0: Yeah. I like VJ, and that the, when they're when the the yeah. the guy with the saw or whatever that the you know the
1: the rotating You know what? Though saw. I don't like the thing. I, I feel like it gets to the part of where these guys making the movie lost track of what the movies were for. Because, like, think about the extended role that Q has in this movie.
0: Yeah, he's in a lot of scenes in this movie. He's
1: actually he's, like an operative.
0: Yeah, he's sitting around with, you know, I, with, with, uh, And I don't binoculars. think that makes
1: any sense. He wasn't an operative. He was, you know,
0: why it, would you have. He was a behind the scenes kind of guy. Why would you have. He's like the guy who's running the gadget shop for basically all the MI6 stuff. Why right. is he like, in the field with binoculars, like eating potato chips by the side of a river?
1: Right. Maybe you could make a case if his role operate in the operation had been extremely technical, yeah. using some sort of new gadget. Oh, that nobody right. Else like
0: he's the only one who could operate it, and we all have he to had
1: it. was a fishing pole and a pair of binoculars. <laughs> right. And you know, I know what they were thinking. What they were thinking was Q is cool, and the people love Q. Everybody loves Q, right? Because his roles have expanded over the years, and and people can't get enough of them. Right so they're like well let's give him a big role but see the problem with that is that people loved him because they couldn't get enough of him right it was the fact right. that he was only in for a, a scene or two every movie yeah they
0: gave him they gave too much of him
1: right and it's just well why why in this very dangerous role you know where where Vijay got killed doing it why in the world would you give it to to this old man genius you know, whose whose value to the to the MI6 is, you know, incalculable in terms of, you know, his his electronics expertise.
0: Yeah. All right. So then all somehow we wind up at the uh at the circus. Which is just again, you know, you you talk about a disgraceful thing. I mean it's not bad enough that the, the first guy's a clown.
1: Wait, who tried to be was there an assassination attempt? Didn't they try to assassinate Bond somehow before the the clowns? Mm.
0: Yeah, they did. Um, there was a whole – well, these are the guys who kill – they kill Vijay. Right. And then oh, they go wait, the into the Octopussy That's compound right. and they right. try to kill – but they're killing everybody indiscriminately including right. – uh, Very poorly edited fight scene. Yeah, terrible on, fight
1: scene. On Octopussy Island, very poorly edited. <laughs> what about And what about the stupid alligator he gets to the island in? I don't know. Is it a cool, gadget or stupid?
0: I guess it's cool. Which one? Which one?
1: The way Bond gets to the island where he's hidden inside an island.
0: Okay. Now, as a kid, again, going back to being a, I loved this. I yeah. thought that it was kinda, like –
1: It kind of harkens back to the. I can't complain about that. If we loved the duck on, <laughs> on Sean Connery's head, head yeah. at the, beginning the, of the duck hat, season, <laughs> then you have to love the alligator.
0: What, what I, I'll tell you what I didn't like about the alligator. I I understand that you you need a cool reveal, and that the the way to do the cool reveal with uh, with an alligator boat is to have it the mouth open up, and you you get Roger Moore's head poking out of the mouth. That's funny, but in in real life, that would never work because as soon as somebody's if somebody's going to see an alligator and think nothing of it, they're certainly going to notice the. Roger Moore's head poking out of its open mouth. Yeah. I'll and it, get, and it doesn't just open a little bit for him to peek out. It flips up to a 90 degree angle and the, his head's in there with a little, It even had a little, like a little visor because maybe it's you're, you might want to run it with it open. It's got like a little plastic visor protecting you from uh sea spray. I just didn't, I didn't like it as an adult. As a kid, I thought it was pretty cool as an <clears> adult. <throat> I was not very, and then you don't really see, unlike with the duck where you see the duck and then, uh Sean Connery pops out and he's got a wetsuit unzips a wetsuit he's perfectly dressed you know that this you don't really see like how is he getting in and out you never see him getting in and out of this thing like later on when there's the um when uh he and and the, the other guy with the with the saw go over the edge and and then you get the the death roll alligator death rolling with the other guy and you never see Bond resurface later on oh there he now he's in the alligator and he's fine you don't see him, where was it? Where do you leave it? How do you get back yeah. in it, you know? Where is it? like the lower part of his body is clearly he's standing upright underneath this thing. He's not, because if you look at the angle of his head, he's not facing forward, he's not looking down, he's facing up, his head's straight up. So that means his whole body is like sort of treading water underneath it, which is a strange way to swim unless it has power to it. Maybe it does, but the alligator could certainly get the lower part of his body, if there was another alligator that wanted him, cause he's just hanging there. It's not like that thing would provide him with safety. Like he could retreat to the safety of his alligator, you know, ship. Hmm. Anyway, as a kid, I loved it, but now <laughs> I don't like it as much. So then they're going to put a nuclear bomb into the train and they got to go to the circus.
1: I mean, I just watched this like two days ago and I've already forgotten what
0: yeah. was best line is let's see your circus pass. But what was his plot, though, for this?
1: It was the idea was they're going to blow up the circus in West Germany and the somehow the world is going to think it was a U.S. bomb gone wrong and right. blame the U.S. The like, signature
0: I, of the bomb would look just like a, a U.S. bomb, which they would immediately identify as something that went off by mistake. It was not intended to go off. So who would the U.S. retaliate against? They would have no one to retaliate against right. because it would look like their own bomb and and at the instantaneously, the entire European nation, all nations in right. Europe, there was no EU would, would, back then. Would
1: insist on unilateral disarmament, correct? And then the Russians could just they just, just walk it, in, right? And, and it's just see. taken as as fact, right. Like like as a as one fact leads to another right. inevitably. It's just that, you see
0: that of of course,
1: right? That quickly all of Europe would would agree that this horrendous nuclear accident in Berlin would lead to, well, we should, we should completely disarm our armies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. makes a lot of sense. We'll lay our weapons down in such a way that they, we could never pick them up again. Right. That's one of the
1: problems with the cockamamie plots, these save the world plots where there really aren't that many, even, even in the bond universe, there aren't that many reasons why anybody would want to blow up the world. Or blow a, you know, launch a nuclear bomb. Like if you're going to have nuclear stakes, you really, it's really, really hard. Like there's very, very little reason for that other than the, the love argument mm-hmm. of, well, let's just wipe, try to wipe the bad guy out before you can even launch it, right? There's very little reason for anybody other than the U.S. or the Soviet unions themselves to launch an all-out attack. Like, and it's really hard to come up with ideas. Remember the one a couple of movies ago where the guy wanted to make the underwater utopia? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, there's just, there's just not a lot of good reasons
0: for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's in this case, makes, you, you didn't really have, I mean, you had a, a general who was sort of power hungry, mad. And in right. that way, he was, he was kind of like a, a villain in, in that sense. But he did like, what, what was he really going to gain out of this? Right. He, when, That's when he, what
1: makes the whole Al Qaeda thing so scary. Right. Because in real life, I mean, and, you know, and it's timely with, you know, bin Laden getting killed. That's what makes it so scary is that all they want to, they really do, they just want to kill people. Yeah. Right. Anything more than that, it's really, really hard to make an excuse to set off the bomb. Yeah. Like this whole cockamamie thing that it was going to enable by, uh, it's,
0: it, Man, it's a mess. it just loses you. Let me see your circuit pass. Where's your circus pass? But
1: here, this is, I mean, this is, to me, this, this is the low point of the entire series is Roger Moore ends up in an important scene dressed as a clown with clown makeup
0: on. Yeah. And and he's a very unhappy looking clown too. Right. But he even took the time. Yeah. He takes the time to, you know, to a, fastidiously adjust his costume and put on perfect, perfect clown makeup. Right. And it's little, unhappy clown. Right. With a little tear and. Yeah. Everything. It's got, he doesn't just throw the hat on and like slaps him white face on it's i mean he's perfect he looks he looks the part well that's james bond though he's got to look the part it's master's skies. not only is he an incredibly talented pilot which you know in in the last movie with the helicopter he's lucky to get that thing you know around he's he's struggling to do it in in uh he he, it's, he acts in in the other movie like in moonraker like he's never been in one of these g-force uh, what do they call it thing or spin you around Where they put him in the thing and did the G-force. Centrifuge. Centrifuge. They put him in that thing. He actually, oh, I've never seen one of these. What does this do? And now he's an expert jet pilot. I mean, there's got to be. There's another thing too. There's a whole class of movies that are different
1: now. I mean, horror movies are the best example by far and away. Um, But the way that cell phones have completely eliminated enormous swaths Huge, huge areas of drama have been eliminated from logistical possibility by, by ubiquitous cell phones,
0: right? It sounds like R2 wants you for something. Oh, that's R2-D2. Uh, <laughs> and no, so no, no explanation back. required, right?
1: Right. So there's, no, there's no, no cell phones here, but there are real phones. And he's got like 40 minutes before this bomb goes off. Right. And presumably James Bond knows some numbers to call where you can, you know, he can call like a, a hotline. Maybe he has to call back to London just to get it through. But call M in London and say, look, there's a nuclear bomb in Berlin. It's at the circus. You need to send in the authorities. Right. ASAP. It's going off at five o'clock. And he gets to this payphone and there's a just some, you know, some woman in there making a useless call. And it, Instead of just ripping her out of the booth and just, you know, literally just physically just saying sorry and just pulling her out physically, right? He just gets exasperated and steals her car and goes on a <laughs> 20 minute drive to do it himself,
0: right? Of all the times you, you would be justified to judo chop somebody,
1: exactly, just give her the judo chop. Yeah,
0: it's a good time to do it. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just let her finish the call, I'll just drive and he ends up in a clown suit.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't even I, I started tuning
0: out at that point,
1: I yeah. don't know. How did it end up? How did he end up back with the uh, octopusy at
0: the end? Uh, so he they save the uh, they save the day. Right. And I I do remember as a little kid being feeling like disarming that bomb was I mean that was an intense moment like I really was into it as a kid. As an adult I was just sort of let's get through this. But as a kid, and I love I love that bond as a clown is trying to convince Octopussy and 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 uh, the, the general and everybody else like, you know, come on, there's a bomb in there. Like, get out of here, you crazy clown. Come on, we're trying to watch the show. You know, he's like, I'm telling you there's a bomb in there. And he whips off the he whips off the the hat and the uh, the ridiculous wig as if just, now do you believe me? And it's, well, you still got the makeup on. We kind of knew you had real hair under there. But, you, you know, know, there's sort you're of. still an, crazy. You're still just a crazy clown.
1: I do feel like that, that scene gives, a, it's a sort of interesting subtext <laughs> to a lot of these Bond movies, is an almost explicit, um, not explicit, but an implicit um, anti-American sense to these movies.
0: You mean like, like looking at uh, uh, the, the sort of do, doofus uh, hick? General. Ge- uh, yeah. And, and right. Like that the, public-
1: the Americans, you know, because these are British movies, like right. British producers, and famously, you know, the they, uh, they've all, they, I, I believe this is true for all 23 movies, including the one in production, that they've all been directed by uh, Englishmen. You know, like Spielberg famously wanted to direct a Bond movie and they wouldn't make an exception and even let Spielberg direct one because they only wanted English people to do it. And I feel like, yeah, that 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 American general sort of is the yeah, you know, that Americans are sort of ham fisted. Right. You know, we've got the might, but but we're a little uh, uncouth.
0: So finally, they uh, they release Bond. He disarms the thing and then basically him and Octopussy go back to India. Cause they're gonna attack Khan, and they capture Octopussy. Bond catches up with them in the air. They get in the airplane. Bond is in. He disables one of the engines. They oh, there's the right, fight on right, top of the. Right. You remember this now? They right. fight right. on and top he of. He says, the "You got to get out
1: there and get this guy." And the guy goes, "Who me?" Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he goes out there. And then they jump, they just jump onto a cliff. Right, right. Yeah, there's a reason I blocked that out. Yeah. And Bond is injured. Oh, right. And then Octopussy is hanging by her sash or whatever with one but hand. But he's
1: not injured. He just decides right. that for kicks, he's going to have his foot up in a cast and his leg in traction.
0: <laughs> right. All right. just, just to surprise uh, Octopussy, just for that one thing, he's got this elaborate, hey, I'm not really hurt. Watch. Another,
1: just briefly, casting note is they've recast M. And after last week's show, I guess we could have done it as a few as I had commented on how they said M, M was on leave or right. something. Yeah. But it ended up that Bernard Lee had died. Oh, life he before, had died before that movie? Yeah, like a couple of months before it went into production.
0: And they, and they didn't have time to recast, or either
1: that, or maybe out of respect for him. I don't. Uh, I don't know.
0: I didn't know but, that.
1: But before this was the previous movie, the uh, which was for your eyes only, right? Right. Uh, that Bernard Lee had had passed away, uh, hmm. and now they've recast him. And I feel like they did a terrible thing here: is they recast him with an actor who, to me, is absolutely indistinguishable from the guy who's been playing the British defense minister, the defense the, minister, yeah
0: and they but they get a, the defense minister's it could be his brother
1: right they actually even have a scene together where it's like whoa i mean
0: <laughs> who's who uh, here
1: yeah, who's who
0: so the next now this is a little controversial the way that we're going to do this next film right because we at, at the beginning i think we identified that, that we're not limiting this to just the eon right films we're we are going and we did talk about the original Casino Royale briefly and about how it was just, we watched it. It was just so horrible. We didn't really want to recommend people watch it, but this is not the case with never say never again, even though people may say, well, if it's not an EON production, it's not a real bond film. I I think it's an important film in the bond legacy, whether it's real or not. I'm not. uh,
1: And even if you want to get into a, uh, an argument over whether it's, Canonical or not yeah, yeah. not canonical, you can make the argument that it's canonical because it it has Ian Fleming's name attached to it right you know that there' this whole legal drama behind the rights to the thunderball story, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing you, and when you watch them in proximity and this is one of those things I feel like you have to keep in mind because we've been talking about this week after week about how they keep recycling these same things like, Oh, this is the one where he's skiing and being chased by guys with, Oh no, wait, there's a whole bunch of them where he's skiing and being chased by guys with machine guns. Right. So there's so many of these elements. Oh, this is the one where he's underwater and having a fight with spear guns. Oh no, wait, there's like three of those. There's a whole bunch of those (laughs) right throughout the series. Right. And so as a kid, I just was used to that. And so the parts of Never Say Never Again that that brought to mind those, oh, that again, this again. Uh, but it ends up that it's more than that. Never Say Never Again really is a remake of Thunderball. And that was because of these legal this legal story. You can Google it and get the basic backstory. But uh, I think that the short form is that Sometime after the Bond series started, Ian Fleming collaborated with like one or two other guys on on a. I guess it was going to be a TV movie, and the basic plot they came up with was this Thunderball plot, where two a, a plane gets hijacked and they hijack it just to get two nuclear missiles from it, and then use the nuclear missiles as blackmail. Right. A terrorist organization steals steals a plane, steals two nuclear weapons, and blackmails the West. Um, and it somehow that fell apart, and. Fleming went and just used the work that had already been done to write the novel Thunderball, and the other guys he'd worked with on this teleplay sued, and it was long and protracted. And by the time the suit came out, the whole Bond thing had was way way bigger. It was huge. It was a movie. It was a you know the yeah. Sean Connery movies had already been out. Uh, I think by the time it was settled, I think Fleming might have even been dead. I don't know. But if not, he was near death. Uh, so he wasn't doing good. It might have even contributed to his death, this, this legal battle. But it, they, these guys ended up winning. And they, they won was you know the rights to the Thunderball movie or the, 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 the thing that they wrote, the book. Anyway, these other guys, other than the official Eon Productions, had the right to make Thunderball, even though Eon had actually made Thunderball. And so that's why Never Say Never Again has the same plot.
0: Now, I, have not, I have not seen this movie since probably, I'll, I'll say it's probably been 15 years. I mean, I other things
1: know. to know before you watch it's directed by uh, the hero of the talk show, Irvin Kirschner, director of The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. One of the reasons that Sean Connery agreed to do it.
0: If not, maybe one uh, if, of the only reasons is it
1: on Netflix? I don't know because I know it's it's different. You know, because it's different. It's a Warner Brothers movie. It's not United Artists. It's not Eon Productions. It doesn't have the theme music. So I don't know. Does Netflix have it? I'm,
0: I'm looking it up right now. Maybe you can stall while I find out the answer well you find out but if you don't watch it by netflix if you get the dvd
1: it's not out on blu-ray i don't believe it's on blu-ray but if you get the dvd it is absolutely positively worth watching the dvd extras uh after you watch the movie uh from some fantastic stuff with irvin Kirshner talking about the movie
0: it is and it is available for uh for live streaming instant Q. so i'll put you know, this it's a shame in the that notes. those
1: live streaming things don't have the extras so I, probably most of us are going to watch it on the live streaming then since netflix have it but it's a shame um but the dvd extras for this one i think are downright essential because mm. the movie is flawed in many ways i'm saying this in advance uh i love it but it's deeply deeply flawed in certain ways and the dvd extras explain Entirely why it's flawed. Like it, it's almost like a self-awareness. Like Irvin Kershner, he doesn't quite come out and say that I made a flawed movie, but when he talks about the legal constraints that they were under while making Never Say Never Again, uh, it explains everything that's wrong with the movie. And I almost think you need to know it going in.
0: There are two scenes that I remember. One of them is the scene with the pen, and the other one is the uh, is the scene where they play domination.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I
0: remember that domination left a big impression on me. That there would be a game that could hurt you so badly.
1: This say Never Say ever again has my favorite my favorite line uttered by James Bond in the entire series. I won't say what it is. To oh, you extent. won't. No, but you'll know it when you see it.
0: It's a weird movie. A lot of weird stuff in this movie. Yeah.
1: One thing that's worth it, and it's, you know, again, we can talk about it next, next week, but I really think it's interesting. And I think it's terrific in contrast with Octopussy, which was the same year. Yeah, And I guess I misremembered which came out first, but they were in a race with each other to come out. And the other thing to remember is the Eon production guys, even though they lost this lawsuit, still fought the never-say-never-again thing every step of the way and filed more lawsuits against it and against this and that. And they were furious that Sean Connery went and did that movie. Uh, um, but the idea was, and I think it's what makes the whole appeal of never say never again is that it is made as James Bond is a 55 or 54 or whatever, you know, somewhere in his early fifties at the end of his career, just by definition because of his age. And what is it like when a guy, when this, you know, when James Bond gets to the end of his career? And they wanted to go more in that direction, but they ended up by the lawyers constrained more toward you've got to stick to what was in the Thunderball
0: novel. Yeah.
1: Whereas Octopussy shows them, and and remember that Roger Moore in real life is older than Sean Connery by a little, but they're roughly of the same age, right? But whereas Octopussy shows that in the, in the Eon productions, they're sort of pretending that he's not getting older, even though our eyes tell us clearly he yeah. is.
0: Yeah, right? he's still, he's gotta, this is all like taking place over a year or two right. in those productions. Whereas this is like, what would Bond be like today? It is it is 1983 or four.
1: Right, and it gets to this idea of that they didn't know what to do. Whereas it, they had to go outside the Eon productions to get any kind of look at a, at a Bond with these aging, you know, not recast to be younger, but what do you do with them at the end of his career? And I think that's what—that's the appeal. That's, that's what to look for in Never Say Never Again. I'm looking forward to it. I want to put it in right now. Yeah. Go watch it.
0: The rest of us will watch it, and we'll be back next Wednesday at 2 p.m. So uh, in the meantime, go to freshbooks.com, sign up for a free trial. Go to omnigroup.com and check them out. Try one of their apps, and uh, we'll see you next week.